Mark. That was good. Back in Nate's recording studio, another episode of Bourbon Buddy Brackets. Episode four. Episode four. So we have potentially 18, definitely 17 episodes till we're done with our bracket. But four is a big number, almost a quarter of the way. And we're still tasting new bourbons and new whiskeys. And we is, added music to the intro. We did. And <laughs> I think that. I think it. Mark Mark has joined uh, us again, and I'm really happy about that too. We got a lot of positive feedback from our listeners, Mark, uh, yeah. about well, you. Welcome back, you? Mark. Yeah. Oh, glad to be uh, here. Thank you. The Bourbon Buddy Brackets Twitter page too commented that I think you elevated the, the IQ, the average IQ in the room, about 14 and a half points. I doubt it, but yeah. thanks for the uh, fluff. Today's matchup. Yeah, episode four matchup. Uh, previewed on bourbonbuddybrackets.com. And we're going to be reading a little bit of our information from the website that we put together. But our episode four matchup is Old Granddad, our number three seed, versus Evan Williams, our number six seed. Old Granddad is not a bourbon name, or is it? Dun, dun, dun. But Evan Williams again. Didn't we make the comment last episode that if if it's an actual name on the label, that it probably means something? Uh, and it turns out Evan Williams, yes, definitely means something. But as I'm reading, old granddad was a real person. It is straight from the website. If you go to the website, if you type in old granddad bourbon on Google and click on the website, that's the first thing that pops up. It's a, it's a real person. So we'll chat about that later, but we've got a bottle of Old Granddad and a bottle of Evan Williams uh, Black Label in front of us. Now, old Evan Williams and Old Granddad both have bonded versions, and they both have higher proof ber- versions, but our Old Granddad is 80 proof, and our Evan Williams it's is a little bit higher than that, isn't it? I think it's 80 proof as well. Oh, it is? Okay, yeah, okay, 280 proof, so I don't know why I was thinking it was a little higher than that. Let me double check that. 86. Is that what it, that's what it, that's what it says? It might not be on the bottle. I mean, they says, might not have the proof. I thought they had to have the proof on the bottle. I did too. Other. I don't see it on here. No, no. What about up by the neck? Is it on there at all? Oh, geez. We're getting ahead of ourselves with our bottle reading. I'm just surprised. That, uh, it says it here. Yeah, 86 it? proof is what I, what okay. I read on there. But not we, on we were the really ahead of ourselves we at the beginning really of this when we said everything was 80 proof. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, 43% alcohol by volume. There it is. 43, 86 proof. So... We've got an 80 proof and an 86 proof. So we're going to start with old granddad. And I think for consistency's sake, now I know I was going to say for consistency's sake, we should put it on the rocks. But again, Mark made the comment the last episode that you're a neat freak. You really would prefer it neat. So as a guest, you can have it any way you'd like. For me personally, I'll put it on the rocks and we go back for another one. We'll I'd rather do it neat, but for consistency's sake, I think we should do it the same way. All right. Yeah. But Mark, it's up to you. No, no, I'm I'm with you guys. This okay. is your this yeah. is your program, and I'm just glad to tag along. So I we'll like it. it's a program. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it your way. If somebody's listening and then can pause using a clicker, that would be good. Do you think it's time for a bottle reading? It is yeah. time for a bottle reading. So we're gonna start with a higher seed, like we have done. Uh, our number three seed coming in at seventeen ninety nine for a seven hundred fifty milliliter bottle. The first thing I notice, it is a twist top bottle. Twist top, no cork, no cork. Old Granddad eighty proof it advertises this as a high rye mash bill, which I think we said actually came in at a twenty. 
27% rye. Yep, 27%. Definitely rye. a heavy rye. Now that's not something that we've talked about really for any of the other bourbons that we drank are the mash bills, other than the fact that you have to be at least 51% corn right. to be a bourbon. So it's a high rye mash bill, 80 proof, established 1882. It's 100 years before I was born. Kentucky Street. Wait, you were born in 1982? Yes. Did you see that? I figured that out all by myself. Just math. Math. Hashtag math. Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Since 1882, the unique marriage of body and flavor in Old Grandad Whiskey has been the standard by which all others are judged. Discover the high rye content and legendary time-honored excellence of the distiller's craft found in every bottle. The unique marriage of body and flavor. <laughs> body wow, and that's flavor. Some serious words. Yeah. The unique. Oh, there is one thing too. We're not using Norland glasses. No, today. we're not using the Norland glasses today. Matt made some special bourbon buddy bracket custom glasses. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I figured we needed and it really was it was inspired by Mark. I really wanted to say thank you for uh, his episode 3 being involved, so I wanted to make sure that he had some swag, so I ordered some uh, bourbon glasses, eight and a half ounce bourbon glasses and had the laser etching for bourbon buddy brackets and some names on glasses. And you even spelled my name right. That's great. Yeah. Mark with thank a C. Mark. Kark. Kark. They <laughs> Kark. They I think our listeners would be able to hear that. Because like, when I say your name, Mark, I don't say it with a K. You say it with a C. I say it with a C. Yeah, yeah. I do. That's a great sound. It is. So when you do go to the old granddad site, you first thing that you see is that it's actually marketed with another whiskey. They call it the old. So it's owned by Beam Suntory and is distilled at Jim Beam American Stillhouse again. But it's actually marketed with old is that marketing with a c marketing <laughs> marketing it's marketed with old overholt which is it's a rye whiskey yeah i saw that at the state store old overholt and old granddad are marketed together they have i guess all of their advertising campaigns will be together and the website is called theolds.com or theoldwhiskies.com or something like that i'm, I'm sure i'll correct it on the blog later but that I thought that was interesting. At one time, I found out that there's now there's four bourbons with the word old in it. And uh, etymologically speaking, it has to do with the word old being sort of like first. Well, old, it's like a friendly something. Like, oh, really? oh, Bill lives down the street. And you say, oh, old Bill, wonder what he's up to now. That old comes from that. Huh. So old crow, old granddad, old tailor, old overholt, uh, all four of them are bourbons and three out of the four are owned by beam suntory old taylor is not old taylor is owned by sazerac i'm definitely getting vanilla vanilla so our first vanilla. nose is, is vanilla caramel vanilla caramel vanilla and spice that rye definitely sticks out there now what does the what do we decide the rye does to a Makes it more spicy. Yeah, it's a peppery. Yeah, peppery spice, yeah. Smells good. Yeah, we had this a few weeks. I guess it's probably a couple months ago now we had this. It was good. 
It was well, it tastes good too. It's got mm-hmm. a it definitely has that peppery rye oh, yeah. taste to it. I think the, the nose is totally different from the It is the flavor. Yeah, you get yeah. that you get that really smooth vanilla caramel I'm kind of smell. A little yeah. more sweet. Then you, it's you, when you yeah. taste yeah. it, it's it's definitely spicy. Mm-hmm. You're right. The mouth is, is definitely one It's not sweet. At the end of the finish though. I don't know. I'll try that again. It smells sweeter than it tastes, I think. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's not as sweet as it smells, that's for sure. Yeah. But I like it. I do too. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's a good good whiskey. It is. Now, this old granddad uh, was actually 86 proof until 2013. Really? And... They dropped it to 80 proof. And the what only year? In 2013. Okay. So if you were to buy Old Grandad before 2013, it would have been 86 proof. All the way through the 80s, 90s, the, okay. yeah, the aughts, I guess that's what they right. are, uh, until 2013. And rumor was, I hit a couple different links on that, and it was the idea that Beam was looking to make more bang out of their buck because the whiskeys and the bourbons were flying off the shelves. They didn't want to... Take one of their their higher proof or, or more well known labels and change anything, but they were willing to do like an old granddad just to squeeze to me financially squeeze a little bit more out because all you do is mix it with water to lower the proof, right? Yeah. I mean that that's it. It's just water still water and that's it. So they basically but in some sense that might have actually benefited this one. Well, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We we would almost have to get a hold of a bottle that was pre-2013 to try to compare what the 86 proof was. Well, it's definitely spicy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a total peppery, spicy. Yeah. I don't, it's amazing, though, because you do not get the pepper on, on the, the nose snow. at yeah. all. It's, it smells sweet and vanilla. I get, I get some vanilla with the, the finish. Way yeah, I'm with the, the, yeah, with the, the right at the end of the yeah. finish, I, I yeah. got a little bit of the sweet, but it's... Do you get any of the, the leather characteristics because I feel like I'm getting a little bit of it like in the middle yeah a little bit of leather yeah tobacco I'm maybe it's it, yeah the hint of the tobacco yeah it's changing as my ice melts here too mm-hmm. it's changing as the ice melts always does See, that's a that's a you could spend the whole day talking about how these changes yeah. with water with ice so imagine what the ameliation does, which is in wine, wine. Wait, you say that. What, what was that word again? Ameliation is. Adding, I was ameliated once. Yeah, I, I walked you, around all day with my fly down. Yeah, when you add <laughs> in, in wine in wine industry, that's when you add water to to uh, the product. Oh, okay, so they do that after they distill it and to drop it to whatever proof they want. Well, yeah, to change or to to make more. Thin it down, I guess. Mm-hmm. Same same thing with it's humiliating. It's humiliating. It's humiliating. <laughs> yeah, it? I'm not over that joke yet. Yeah. Let's keep it going. Yeah. Say get it. Get it. <laughs> it's always <laughs> funnier when you say get it. Now old granddad was a real person and that real person's name was Basil Hayden. Which is another popular bourbon. It's yeah, it's another popular bourbon. It's one of the uh, Jim Beam's craft brews. So they yeah. have like Booker's and Baker's and Knob Creek and Basil yeah. Hayden is one of their, their 
And it's my favorite out of all of them. One of my favorite memories of Basil Hayden, you and I drank an entire bottle of it in your shop, and I had a copper bracelet on the next day, and it was the... Oh, from the from the bottle, the ring around the, yeah, the ring yeah. around the bottle. Yeah, I'm like, right. why did I get a copper bracelet? And that was it was the ring around the base weight. Right. Nice, that's good. The whole bottle. Yes. I've never had basil hay. Really? No, yeah. it's really good. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite out of all of those. The I'd one. like to try it alongside this yeah. because I it's been. Long enough that I well no the basil Hayden is supposed to be a heavily rye bourbon okay. as well so I mean probably some of the flavor notes that we're getting right it now could be, should it could be, be one of those deals that we talked about earlier so maybe basil Hayden no, I will say old granddad does have a couple different types to uh, we're drinking the eighty proof but it has a bonded which would be a hundred proof but then it also comes in a hundred and fourteen barrel proof uh, version as well which and I will say I'm guilty. Of being a label shopper, especially with wine, because I don't know wine well yeah. enough, and I look for the oh, this looks good. Yeah. Now I will say, if you were label shopping whiskey and you looked at the old Granddad bottle, you would expect it to be about four dollars a yeah. bottle because right. it looks terrible. Yeah, it does. It's the worst <laughs> label I've ever seen. Yeah, it's orange. Know, it's the font it's, type, or yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the color is not a particularly dark bourbon uh the i mean we're looking at this next to the evan williams that i feel like is almost classically yeah. square bottle it looks black like a, it looks yeah. like the jim beam the jack daniels the old granddad looks like a bottom shelf bottle well yeah. here's here's the tr- but it's tasty it's really good it is, it is, it it is, is actually tasty, i'm enjoying but, this but the trickery is maybe like we said with the, the labeling and the marketing thing, which we talked about in the last podcast, which oh, this is tasty. It's really good. Could this could that be Basil Hayden's? It could be. <laughs> it actually is, right? I'd love to yeah, try it. Granddad is, it is Basil Hayden. Basil Hayden. So, yeah. Yeah, I'd love I'd like, to try it alongside Basil. I would too. It's got my piqued my curiosity. I I've had at least one version of Knob Creek. I know they have different mm-hmm. uh you know, single barrel, etc. And then did your wife buy you bookers for Christmas? Yes. In that wooden, yeah, uh, kind of comes in that wooden box and something like a rocker, something porch rocker. Or like yeah. a, it has different batches and, yeah, and labels. With I've it. had both of those. It was about a ninety dollar bottle. Yeah. I think. But those two are the the ones, the only ones that I've had of Jim Beam's sort of top shelf bourbons. I haven't had the Bakers. I haven't had the Basil Hayden. Personally, found the Knob Creek and, and the Booker's both to be a bit harsh. Yeah, I was never a big fan of the Knob Creek. And I, not me either. I they're they're good, but I. But for they, what you pay for them, yeah. I don't for what have. you pay for them, I didn't. I didn't think they were. I would take this old granddad. I would over. too. Even this this is very what we're drinking right now to me. Like I could sip. I could sip oh, this. Yes. Yeah. I would take this over Knob Creek. Yeah. I think Knob Creek's ninety proof too, isn't it? Yeah, it's higher proof. Yeah. All from the same distillery. I mean, yeah. in theory, all from the same distillery. Right. When these mash bills, by the way, are coming through, uh, I think I had Modern Thirst is who came up with these mash bills. And I don't know exactly where they get their information from. I have read that they've tried to contact some of these distilleries. And some of them will say, yeah, that's the mash bill. Uh, some of them will say, that's pretty close well, to the mash Well, they don't bill. want to give up their mm-hmm. secret. Oh, that makes sense. I mean, there's, sure. there's a lot. That, I mean... I, where did he, where are you going to get your this your one is corn from? very unique yeah. compared to anything else we've tasted. Yep, 
is. Now, the Ezra Brooks, was that peppery as well? Did that have a little peppery? I think it was, maybe. Uh, I'd like to go back and look at that. Yeah, look at the... Well, the next time we have them, maybe we'll we'll pay more attention to the mash bill on this, too, to see what the... Because I'm pretty sure that Modern Thirst, it has has hundreds of mash bills. Last week, I just got, like, a shot of rye... Yeah, really as, as, that as that melt. ice melts. What do you mean, shot of rye? I don't know. It just seemed like that. Just try it. It's like this big in my mouth, mouthfeel of rye. Just that spice. I still get the hint of sweet at right at the very end. Mm-hmm. It's not that sweet, though. No, it's not. No, it's a hint. It's not. I, I have a question. Something that's always made me wonder. Say, the master distiller, the, the blending. Is that a completely different job? Is that somebody is so? You mean like the the master distiller? Is he the one that or she the one in charge of the hashtag feminism? Blending in charge of the blending. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I think it is Fred No from Jim Beam. He. I'm not sure how much. Maybe if Fred were here, that first of all that'd be awesome because we would have a master distiller on our podcast. Freddie. <laughs> If Freddie were here, I do think that he's more of, he does a lot of like public relations. Yeah. And he's flying around the, the world and doing a yeah. whole lot of do appearances. You know how much and stuff. I hope his name is not Fred. <laughs> I think it's Fred, no. You're really, com- you're really committed to Fred. It is Fred. But I Fred. wonder how, that's a lot of, Ed? a lot of, a lot of weight on somebody's shoulders to really come up yeah. with all this. So it makes you wonder if there's somebody that's a blender and somebody that's the distill. I'm sure they have. Of course, many distillers and one guy oversees the distillers. Of course, when they're making that much, but the blending part, I, I think, think that would be the like the, the funnest job of all of these would, would be blending. The blending because you have to almost think. I mean, when they're distilling this, they're they're distilling the same mash, and it's. I mean, the the blending is what is making right. the whiskey. Well, right. and the blending right. the, the sure. and we talked a lot, last time about the artistic side of the blending. I mean, you're you're grabbing a barrel that was sitting on the top shelf in 2011, 2012, which was a particularly hot year, and you're trying yeah. to blend it with the barrel that was sitting, you know, 16 feet, you know, in a different warehouse right. somewhere. Like right. that, that's incredible to be yeah. able to come up with a product. Sure, that's what I'm saying. One guy to do all that's kind of. And I always compare it to. I mean, we all, all three of us, homebrew. Yeah. So we make beer, mm-hmm. and I think it's all in the fermentation. It's on the recipe. Sure. So you have your malt bill and your hop profiles. And we've done aging, though. I right. mean, like when we've right. done some imperial yeah. stouts and we do it with the oak chips and the vanilla well, beans. It changes and the, everything. It does. Even, so even that, a couple degrees in the mash sure. will change the amount yeah. of sugars and the fermentable sure. and the types of yeah, fermentable exactly. sugars you, you can withdraw from the grains. But a lot of that can be controlled. Right. The the weather or how hot it is or cold it is one winter and the, the barrels that are sitting out there in the warehouses, like, which actually brings me to something else that I wanted to bring up. And I said this before we started, but I read an article in popular mechanic of all places about the owner of Jefferson's bourbon, which I haven't had Jefferson's. Have either? Of you I have. have. It's good. Good yeah, stuff. It's, it's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. I'm definitely the least experienced out of the three sitting here with the bourbon drinking, but Trey Zoller, I think that's how you pronounce that last name, Zoller, 
is the co-founder of Jefferson Bourbon, and he does some real experimental stuff in bourbon, which actually makes me want to do some more research because the article said he's really known for his experimental bourbons. I'm like, that sounds pretty cool, right? Sure. Do something nobody else did. Yeah. But uh, he loves the history of bourbon too, and a lot of the history of bourbon in the early 1800s to the mid-1800s when people really started the bourbon name, for instance, it became known as bourbon from Kentucky, one of the oldest counties in Kentucky Territory was Bourbon, Bourbon County. County, and now Bourbon County is split up into, I think, five or six different counties. It's not actually Bourbon oh, really? County anymore. There's wow. other names for the counties. With all that history. They yeah. Even... Well, it was it was like a huge tract of the... Uh, oh, right. can, I mean, you're talking like Daniel Boone going into <laughs> okay. Kentucky, referring to Bourbon County in the late 1700s. Like, Which that's how old Bourbon County one was. One of my favorite beers of all time is in my cellar right now, Bourbon County, County Style. Style. From Goose Island, yeah. which is brewed in Chicago. Yeah, and is now, and is now <laughs> Goose Island is now owned by like Anheuser Busch, InBever, InBever. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, this uh, the bourbon. And the legend is that bourbon became known as bourbon because it came from Bourbon County, Kentucky. So people came; uh, sure. they wanted that spirit, they wanted that whiskey. People just referred to it as bourbon. In the East Coast, in New York, and Philadelphia, and Boston, and Baltimore, which would have been the most heavily populated areas in the country in the 1800s, the only way they would have gotten the spirit was via boat. So the distillers in Kentucky would load stuff up on their mules. I mean, these farmers would, would distill stuff because it was cheaper. And this is true. The farmers made more money when they could process their corn and process it into whiskey because the amount of, I mean, if you have an entire field of corn to try to ship that entire field of corn, they had no way to do it. They had a couple wagons and that was it. Yeah. So, but if they could distill into whiskey and, and still turn a profit and it was very profitable, these guys could go out, own a farm, have a family and they just subsistence for themselves. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. it does. Yeah. So they'd make it to a port on the Ohio river, which is, would be the entire Northern border of Kentucky is the Ohio river. And it would go right down into the Mississippi, go all the way down to New Orleans. At New Orleans, it would be loaded on boats and then go to anywhere, I mean, anywhere along the East Coast. And this was the bourbon that, when I think about this, this is the bourbon that like a Samuel Clemens would be drinking. Uh, these Ulysses S. Grant. The old granddads. Yeah, the, yeah, the old granddads. Exactly. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure that Basil Hayden's uh, would have had bourbon that had traveled on oh, yeah. on. On the Mississippi. So anyway, back to the the article from Popular Mechanic. This Trey Zoller from Jefferson's Bourbon wanted to see what that actually would have tasted like. So there's been a lot of speculation about that bourbon sloshing around in these barrels. I mean, you're, you're try, you have a barrel on either side of a mule, then it hits a ship, and it takes months to go all the way. I mean, it's very seriously months to go all the way uh, around, sloshing around. What does that actually do? So what he did was take a control, his Jefferson's bourbon, and he just left it in, in the barrels in the warehouses. He took an be- identical barrel and put it on uh, a boat. Did the whole, in January of 2017, he did the whole journey in the barrel. That's fascinating. In, it is fascinating. In, it's amazing. In yeah. New York. And then at the other end, he bottled it. He had the one bottled in New York City and then the other one bottled in, and then he had tasters there. And they tasted like two different bourbons. This is the amazing part. It actually did. It changed the flavor, changed the nose, changed, changed the, the finish, everything. In addition to that, this guy, I mean, he probably has more 
money than, well, any of us sitting here. But he paid for scientists to look at, like, on a molecular level. They were looking at max mass spectrometry. Spectro- Spectrorism. Okay. I'm 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 humiliated that I don't know that word. Humiliation. Yeah. They used a mass spectrometer and came up with a molecular profile of it, and they compared the two, and they were completely different. And these these chemists were able to identify certain markers of like deconic acid and ethyl ester, but they have like a waxy, fruity, sweet apple smell that was in the control. Wow. But in the in the one that had shipped through the Mississippi was completely different. It didn't have any of those molecular markers. Instead, it had like lactone, which gives whiskey a creamy coconut wood flavor. Dang. Smells like vanilla, where the other one smelled more fruity and appley. I mean, that it does make changed. sense too. Though, like, if you think of one like barrel of a charred oak and something sitting in it just stable, and one just sloshing around for. Right. Months. Different maybe. levels of humidity, different, different temperatures, yeah. different Climates, everything. Yeah. yeah, it's a different climate. Well, I mean, of course, the seasons change where they are, but still, it's sort of a, it's a same thing. Huh? That is fascinating. I thought that was just that was just cool that, it is. that yeah. somebody actually took the time to do to, that to, 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 to experiment do, with and it didn't and do see. it just subjectively. He tried to objectively throw it to scientists and say, "Give me a you know molecular." model of this and it, it looks like two completely different bourbons so i wonder if back in the day say for instance samuel clemens travels to bourbon county and, and he he gets a taste of this and he said i would like to have some of this back home and when he gets it back home and it's a different flavor yeah no the kidding. profile is different no kidding yeah i also read a uh does he send it send it back and ask for a refund if he doesn't like it? <laughs> and I mentioned this before that Mark Twain is one of my personal heroes. Right. But there's a legend about Mark Twain that I I feel like I've known almost my entire life that where he got his name was working on the Mississippi River, kind of born and raised in the just south of St. Louis, right along the Mississippi River. As a teenager, worked on I mean. Young teenager worked on the docks, worked on boats. Was actually a riverboat captain for a couple seasons. Yeah. The whole thing. And when you're when they were in water under two fathoms deep, uh, the captain would often cry out Mark Twain because and it actually meant Mark the Twain. Take the rope and tell me how deep it is right here because under the how Mississippi deep is a fathom. Like in I'm pulling this one out of my ass. Twelve feet. Two fathoms would be twelve feet. So six feet is a fathom. Are we going? Going on to the Evan Williams. Yes, let's go on to the Evan. Let's pour but it. That's that's pretty cool, Mark Twain. So well, that was that Mark, was what he said. You said Mark the Twain. Mark the Twain. So he said he, as a teenager, uh, he'd hear a captain say Mark the Twain. It was his job to go out and and measure how deep the water was. Mark the Twain. But there is a uh, bar in, I believe it's Nevada, that claims that that's not where Mark Twain got his name. Samuel Clemens got his name when he lived in Nevada, and I didn't know any of this, but uh, he was in the... He lived in Nevada? He lived in Nevada. He was in the Missouri... I didn't know that. He was in the Confederate Army in the beginning of 1861, and he didn't like it. He and a couple buddies signed up, and he wanted no part... He realized he wanted no part of it. So very quickly after leaving the Confederate volunteers in Missouri, uh, his brother was given a governorship or or a, 
a secretary of state or something for Nevada Territory by Abraham Lincoln. So he, he went and moved in with his brother and then did a whole bunch of jobs. He, he worked in the mining industry. He actually wrote a book. One of his earliest books is called Roughing It. It's fantastic and funny and biting. It's classic Mark Twain. And, and I knew that. But what I didn't know is that he frequented a bar and he was a huge whiskey drinker. He was his entire life. But when he frequented that bar, he would walk in and would yell, Mark Twain. And it was kind of a joke because what it meant, instead of checking to see what the, how deep the water was, it meant pour me two shots of whiskey. And it was documented. There's like several primary sources that when he did his, and, and he made a good friend in the mining industry who corroborated this in a letter. So they're saying, no, 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 that's not where Mark Twain got his name. Mark Twain got his name because he was a whiskey drinker. And when he, he rolled into the bar on an afternoon after uh, he worked for a newspaper company, which is where he kind of got known as an author. He walked into the bar and said, Mark Twain, and they poured him two shots of whiskey. <laughs> and that was, that was where he got his nickname. And that fits historically too, I guess, that which sounds, is kind of cool. Sounds it sounds like something that, fits, you know. Fits more of the yeah, rock star mantra yeah. of Mark Twain. Which is kind of cool. Yeah. All right, so we have Evan Williams in our glasses now. And, and by the way, we all enjoyed the old granddad. Oh, yeah, that really was fantastic. Really that, yeah. Yeah. Are we ready for a bottle? Reading? Let's do a bottle. Reading. Now, this bottle looks very different. It's not a round bottle. It's a square bottle. It's the traditional, the Jim Beamish, Jack Daniels. Yeah. Okay, Evan Williams, Kentucky's first distiller. Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Distilled in Kentucky. Bottled by Old Evan Williams. Old Evan old Williams. Old Evan Williams. That's that, you know, like, ah, old Evan Williams. Bardstown, Kentucky. 43% alcohol. Evan Williams set up his distillery on the banks of the Ohio River in 1783 historically recognized as Kentucky's first distiller of bourbon. This special bourbon is a genuine sour mash that honors his pioneering heritage. Distilled from a time-honored formula originated in 1783, Evan Williams is produced in the heart of Kentucky's bourbon country. This bourbon is aged and charcoal filtered for a smoother, more complex flavor, world-renowned by bourbon lovers. Now it's interesting that it's charcoal filtered because the only other bottle that we've had that claims the charcoal filtration was, was, it, had, was it, it before or after I, bottling? I think it was immediately prior <laughs> to bottling. It was Heaven Hill. And what we're drinking right now, Evan Williams is a Heaven Hill brand. Yes. So this must be something that Heaven Hill uh, their, just does. Right. Because that's more what you hear about with a Tennessee whiskey. That's the one of the yeah. their big calling cards there. Is like the Jack they, Daniels. Yeah, Jack Daniels. They, they is the char maple charcoal filtration. Yeah. Prior to bottling, just to be. Yeah. No age statement on the bottle whatsoever. No. But what I've been able to pick up, uh, because there's no age statement, it has to be at least four years. There's not a and lot of not a lot of nose on this not one. Not is a there? big nose on this one. No. I think it's floral. It is. I almost smell flowers. Is that just me? There's not a whole lot of nose on this one, but I what I do smell is not. I almost get a floral. But I tell you, at first sip, it's definitely a little boozy. I'm smelling maybe vanilla, maybe because I'm stuck on the old granddad. I don't know. <laughs> it smells good. 
Evan Williams was definitely a real guy, and he definitely distilled in northern Kentucky. And there's no, I don't think, evidence to say that he was making bourbon at the time. However, he was definitely making corn whiskey because that's what was available at the time. Now, was he aging in charred oak casks? Right. Was he using a sour mash process? You know, there's a lot of questions there. That's a good question. Not to interrupt. When did the charred oak barrel thing come around? Do you know? I think the charred oak barrel thing predated the sour mash or bourbon. Uh, I may be mistaken here, but I think there so are old, other spirits. Old, old J- James Crow was the one that came up with the sour mash. The sour mash. mash. James Old Crow. James Crow came up with that. Old James but Crow. I think old James Crow. Old James Crow. <laughs> <laughs> Old Dr. Crow. I think the char predates bourbon. It was something that they yeah, adopted into they had their, to, I I think that the charred barrels probably came in. I think there was other spirits. That but you don't have barrels. this color until you have the... Without the right. char, there's no color. It's clear. Without the char in the barrel. You could toast a barrel and not char it. That's some true. of the, Some of the barrels are heated... And they're toasted and dried, but they're not charred. Um, some barrels are both. They're char number two and a toast after, or a toast before and a char number three. And that's, again, that gets into the blending. And, I mean, right. it's, it's the sky's the limit with all the variables there. Yeah, I don't know. You're probably, the char definitely has to do, and actually Evan Williams is pretty dark. It is. old granddad. It's definitely darker. And, uh, and people, what I read about this is people had commented on its color for a five to six year old bourbon it's dark yeah it's darker I mean, it's more something you would expect in a, right. a 10 year or 15 year with the color age, yeah. yeah that's a good question though for further research is how much does the char affect the color of it and when when, when did people start charring the barrels so i mean if you put a, just a regular corn whiskey in a barrel now the that's corn, not charred. No, it's toasted. It's not going to achieve that level of darkness. No, Am it's got to right? color it a little bit. I mean, it comes it comes right out of the still clear. It has to. Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, sure. So it's definitely the barrel that gives it the color. That's a good question about whether it's the char in the barrel that gives it the color. Well, I, I think about tequila, and you have the blanco, which is the just the clear tequila. And then you have the brown, and then you have the resposado, right. and the. There's three different ones. So there's like a clear, <laughs> a medium, and then the, yeah. 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 And it has to do with the age and the char. Of the Azul. Barrel. No, that means blue in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Senor Mosser, my seventh grade Spanish teacher, would have been so happy with me right then. I'm getting the floral finish that you were talking about. I don't smell it, but I can taste in the finish there. If you take a breath of air... And my, yeah, it's not terribly complex. No, but, but it's, it's very smooth. It is. It is. My it's, first, it's, my really, first drink was really boozy. I'm really like, enjoying this. This glass of whiskey. The, yeah, the finish on this. I'll agree with that. It this, this very just smooths out. And well, I'll I agree think with having you about the ice your, cubes in it. I think does help it because the first drink I took was like, like yes. I, I it, it was really. Boozy, but now I'm. It's it's definitely smoothing out, and it's really good. It's gonna be a hard choice. It is, yeah. Like last time we had, we had some two decent bourbons, and now we have two more. 
Yeah, this is really good. I like this a lot. They so Heaven I, Heaven Hill created this label in 1957. Really? And that's part of it is that you pick a name that yeah. uh, and so they did some research and found this this guy. It makes you wonder when you watch those you know these these guys making whiskey Kentucky if that's what <laughs> along the Ohio River was this guy with his his bib overhauls in, in his probably in I his mean, little. In his little distillery, you know, <laughs> little copper that, pot. Little <laughs> copper pot. That, that history book that I was reading specifically talked about how these, I mean, Daniel Boone that sort of went out in the 1770s, 1760s and 1770s into the Kentucky Territory against the wishes of the British Empire, by the way, because they wanted to block everybody on the, the Appalachian. And part of the draw to get people out there to Kentucky Territory is you clear some land and you farm it. You can do whatever you, as much as you can farm is is what you can do. And do you wow. think he just adventured until he got to Kentucky and then he got whiskey and he's like, oh, screw it, I'm just going to stay here? Who, Daniel Boone? Yeah. No, Daniel Boone was forced to go to Kentucky as a prospector, a governor or a magistrate or something from Virginia because it's right across the border from Virginia. And he basically had an incredible amount of debt. He was trapping furs and was an outdoorsman. And the Indians, basically, he barely escaped with his life. The Indians had almost killed him, and they took everything. When he came back to his wife and children, he came back penniless because he didn't. He spent almost two years out there, came back with nothing. Oh, jeez! And then had an incredible amount of debt. And when he when he appeared at debtors' court, the judge said, <laughs> basically, that the judge saw this as an investment opportunity because the judge owned a whole, he had purchased a whole lot of property in Kentucky territory from the British government and said, Hey, I need somebody to go out there and settle it. And somebody to go out there knows what, what's going on. Where is everybody? So he basically pulled Daniel Boone aside before he sentenced him and said, here are your options. You can either go to debtor's jail, debtor's prison, or do you can sign me. up, do do this for me, and oh, wow. what are you going to do? So Daniel Boone really? did that. That's that actually crazy. So when he went out there, and uh, Boomtown is the, the name of the settlement that he created, man, three or 400 people, and he, he fought off Indians. I mean, all the his, his daughter was taken by, I mean, right. all of that legend is all true, but the reason that he was there in the first place is because he had to be. He had to be. Oh, that's he had that. True story, yeah. Wow. Born in Pennsylvania, Daniel Boone. I knew that. I PA boys. That. Yeah. yeah. Where I grew up in Berks County, just south of the school district I, I went to school at was Daniel Boone, the town and Daniel Boone school district. We played them in sports and stuff like that. You played Daniel Boone? I played Daniel. I lost every time. <laughs> so you could always tell it was Daniel Boone uh, when you were playing in soccer and stuff because all the boys would roll off the bus wearing the coonskin caps and you're like, ah, oh, it's Daniel Boone again. <laughs> you know. Is it, so is the legend of Daniel Boone and Jim Bowie not to get off track, but weren't they like... I don't know the answer cahoots, Jim Bowie. Like I, get, I get Crockett... Boone and Bowie all mixed up. Yeah, but I, I, I always feel like they're the same some guy. Of the, or a couple of those guys traveled together for some reason. I think. Am I, I think, mistaken? <laughs> Boone and Boone. No, Davy Crockett, Crockett and Jim Bowie would have been together. Crockett was the Alamo. I don't but Davy Crockett was after Daniel Boone was before them all. Davy oh. Crockett was more like eighteen. 
Oh, later on. 20s, 30s, and 40s. Because the Alamo was well, 18, he killed 40s, a bear so. when he was only three. Yeah, that's true. He did. Yeah. yeah. That's... We're really going off on... For our overseas listeners, <laughs> yeah, this is... Sorry. I'll tell you what. They're, they're like, okay, enough with the history bullshit. Yeah. Get back no, to the we've had, you know, our UK <laughs> friends and our guy. Swedish friends that are listening, and here <laughs> we are going off on the tangents. He's from Pennsylvania. Who gives a fuck? So, I have another question. Sorry about this. So, the distilling thing. Making whiskey. The whole whiskey deal, where and how and why? That's a broad question. <laughs> so distilling in particular, now distill, there's an answer distilling. to this one. Because the answer for distilling in particular goes all the way back to the 13th to 14th century. And it was a, it was like an alchemist. I mean, this is true late Middle Ages alchemist who was trying to figure out how to do something else, but he was boiling fermented whatever. And he discovered that the liquid that was condensed on the other eye, on the other end was incredibly high proof. So people like in ancient Rome and ancient Greece, there was no distillation. There could have been high levels of fermentation. I mean, you, you can booze up fermentation. One, and really, about 20. Yeah, you sure. probably cap out at somewhere 22%. in the 20s. Yeah. Yeah. But distillation didn't happen. We've been distilling as a, as a race for less than a millennia. Wow. Somewhere between the 13th and 14th centuries. Now, whiskey, American, let's say corn whiskey in particular. Now, now the alchemists that were doing this, were they doing this for a recreational purpose or a medical purpose? Scientific or? I don't know the answer to that. The the guy, uh, I want to say he was, he was Spanish. He was in Spain in a monastery. He was a priest or something like that. That, that decided that that's what he was doing. But to get back to the American whiskey, the, the bourbon, really, because if we define bourbon as 51% corn, that goes back to the Jamestown settlement. This is something we talked about in a previous episode, yeah. too. So in the 1620s, English government set up the Jamestown settlement. And a couple of the people that the government sent uh, to be in charge, one of them included... The name George pops into my head, but I'm pretty sure everybody was named George (laughs) at that time. (laughs) There's Uh, like four names. This guy, George, or maybe his last name was George. So George something or something George showed up. um, And the Jamestown settlement was actually sacked by Indians very famously. And then the the English had to go and kind of collect all of the stuff that was left over. And they inventoried it. When they inventoried the Jamestown settlement after being sacked... Uh, 350 or 400 settlers were killed by the natives in the late 1620s. Uh, there was three copper stills that were inventoried then at that point. So the question is, okay, distilling is happening in the 1620s. What okay. are they distilling? What the answer distilling? is corn. When they when you go through this guy's journals, he was distilling what he called Indian corn. In fact, they called the corn itself Indian and they called the whiskey or the spirit they got from it Indian. So when he said, oh, no he wrote in his journal something like, you know, distilled three, and they had barrels there. So like distilled a barrel of Indian. What he meant was, you know, it was whiskey. Whiskey. Huh. Now it wasn't aged in char oak and didn't that do that the shower uh, maze, the sour mash. Like, yeah, it would have been maize. So, so hence that. probably the, the what I'm getting at is the, the mash bill. Like why is it? It was all corn then, probably. Yeah, right? it was. It was staple crop. Uh, I mean, a really stable, reliable staple crop by the natives, Plenty and it, it's one of those things that it's 
it's purely American because huh. that, at that point they weren't blending things no, in no, barrels. No. It was just corn. Probably and... tasted like shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not like right. either of the ones that we're t- we're drinking right now. But that that leads up to the barrel thing. When did that come about, and how did that come about? Makes me well barrels. Those were mainly just a way to transport. Yeah, barrel, barrels is all about transporting and storage because it was the most economical, easiest, cheapest, and reliable so way to just transport. Was it had afterwards? To be did they realize, hey, that when we put this stuff in there, it was okay, but now it's really yeah, fucking that's good. That's interesting. <laughs> when did that really come well, charge yeah, the chart when, itself? When did it, yeah. Because let's be honest, like at this point in technology. There's no need for a wooden barrel. No. Like, you can replicate right. a wooden barrel with a charred oak finish. Sure. I mean, like, you could put it in a stainless steel vat and put charred oak chips in to a certain degree, and you could probably mimic sure. what you're doing. Right. And probably even accelerate the aging process. Yeah. But what's cool about all of this is that you're doing it in a primitive fashion. The, 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 you're saying, we're putting it in this barrel. A traditional process exactly. that's been tried and true for We're me. not, we're not going to fuck with it. We're just going to do it like this. Right. And that's the way it's going to be. Huh. So that would be interesting to find out when and how, even the char thing, was it, was it necessary for the wood to be charred? Yeah. To keep the wood... So I think what another interesting thing to, to see would be like if you did the traditional bourbon process if you, with the charred oak barrels and then you had like a renegade distillery that was doing an American whiskey and they were doing it in, like I said, stainless steel vats and they were doing it with charred oak chips and like they were monitoring that. Like could they... Accelerate the process, replicate the process, or even improve the process. Well, in the late 1800s, they were called, I I want to say rectifiers, or I forget what they were called. There were people that were trying to do just that, replicate the process, accelerate the process, see if they could take a spirit and make it taste like it had been in a barrel for 20 years. Right. And... Uh, they were doing all accounts as they were doing amazing. Uh, they were doing an amazing job at it. They were actually making spirits that were tasted really good. This was in the late eighteen. Yeah, late eighteen hundreds, huh. and that's actually where the bottled and bond came from. Uh, there was a big push in eighteen ninety six or eighteen ninety. I think it was eighteen ninety six or eighteen ninety seven. The bottled and bond act by the federal government, the um, Kentucky Bourbon Distillers, were. Seeing had, their businesses interrupted by these people because they had were, the tradition, they, they had the traditional the one. Way, they were aging the hard it. They way. Were doing somebody it, yeah. was okay. So that. they what they wanted was was clarification. They wanted right. something. So what they came up with in 1896, the Bottom Bond Act of 1896, was the federal government were going to be able to verify what was true bourbon. Right. So if it's Bonded. Now, bonded bourbon still exists today. I know. We even t- we talked. Evan Williams has a bottle and bond. Colt Granddad has a bottle and bond. Uh, what that means is the federal government, federal regulators, actually, when the the whiskey goes into storage, 
the storage facility is bonded by the federal government. Inspectors come in and they verify everything. This is actually this what is you're actual, getting is what yeah, yeah okay. what you're getting. So That's, it's age six years. Bond, yeah. Bonded liquor is age six years and it's 100 proof. Those are the two mandates there. So uh, what that did was allow the Kentucky distillers to to guarantee and the federal government could guarantee this is real Kentucky bourbon. This is not some knockoff. Yeah, because it, you would be considered you you would be committing a felony after the the bottle and bombed act of eighteen ninety six if you tried to pass off your bottle as something else, right. and it wasn't. You would be committing a felony. So that was a big deal. Now, when Taft was pres Taft William Taft, the big guy, right, the the one that got stuck in the bathtub, uh, reportedly <laughs> very serious. He was like four hundred pounds. Oh, no, yeah, 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 that guy. So when he was president, he was a, he was a huge whiskey fan. And again, 20 years. So fast forward to like, I want to say like 1913 or something 14, like that. Yeah. Or 14. Um, he, now he wouldn't have been president at that time. Woodrow Wilson would have been. But anyway, uh, it might have been 1914. Whatever. Taft was president and the Kentucky Bourbon the Distillers Association came to him and they said, we need more. We need more. We need some sort of regulations. Uh, and what he did, he kind of heard from both sides and he, at both sides agreed that what the president said would be sort of the definitive, this is the way it's going to be. So what he allowed these people that were kind of, I don't want to say making a knockoff, but what they were doing was blending. They were blending different kinds of whiskeys. They were, they were, so the president of the United States, States, uh, a little bit more than a hundred years ago. And, and those, what he decided was that if you want to be a Kentucky bourbon, you have to label yourself as a Kentucky. Um, if it's age two years, it's a straight bourbon. Uh, it could be bonded. Then it can say bonded. You have to say the proof. You have to say this. But you can only say straight Kentucky bourbon if it actually is 51% corn, etc. Okay. He he did come out and say that the other people, I want to say the rectifiers, but that doesn't sound right. They were allowed to make whatever whiskey they wanted. They just couldn't. They had to actually say on the bottle it has to be blended whiskey. Yeah. So he he said no, calling it a whiskey is fine because I think the Kentucky bourbon people said no, that you can't. You're not even allowed to call it uh, bourbon. You're not even allowed to call it whiskey. And he said no, they can call it bourbon and call it whiskey if they wanted, but you've got to mark it on the bottle as blended. And still today, the I mean the spirits, the whiskey distilleries and bottlers and and producers. Mm -hmm have to are still following these because he kind of laid it and then both sides kind of sat back and agreed and they said all right do you think maybe trump should change the way we define I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you what the bourbon industry right now they might uh, and getting into <laughs> politics here they might have been fans of trump before for whatever reason but if you're if you're in kentucky and have any sort of involvement in the bourbon industry there's no way it's a billion dollar a year bourbon industry that's getting hit hard i mean I read something just this week that uh, it was a, I can't even, somebody retweeted something and said, well, if Obama's war was on coal, it feels like Trump's war is on bourbon right now and an mm-hmm. odd thing. Now that the governor of Kentucky came out and said, oh, the bourbon industry will be fine. And all the distilleries were like, what the fuck? No, we're not. Like, how right. can you speak for us? Right, right. You know, but. Well, back to. Sorry to go into this rabbit hole, but I'm kind of interested in the history. You know I'm going to give lot. you, and, and I'm going to quote the book here because I read this between the first episode and the second episode. It was a uh, I got to get this book too. It's by Dane Hucklebridge, and it's it's a history of the American spirit, and it has to do with bourbon. And he start he doesn't start with, 
And then bourbon was made. Right. Okay? It's... He starts with, wait, when did people start distilling? Yeah. Okay. And he, he traces the whole thing. And, and he actually says, he's very blunt. And I love the way the guy wrote, because I, I read other histories that are pretty dry. This guy is very conversational. He throws in jokes. It, D. Huckleberry. D. Hucklebridge. By the way, Fred No's name is totally Fred No. I Google that shit. So the the whiskey EY in whiskey. I have not made a decision whatsoever. Whis- I'm know, just sitting whis- here drinking and having talking whis- right now. KY. So which sort of takes up as you were talking about this, and I started thinking about blended whiskeys and going back to Ireland. Yeah. Scotch, which is primarily done in American barrels or the, french yeah the chicken or yeah. the egg deals oak. still oak though but. chicken or the egg thing is coming up here were they just making whiskey in ireland first or wholeheartedly the answer to that one is yes absolutely 100 percent. it was actually the scots irish immigrants that moved into the kentucky region following daniel boone and those guys that that began distilling and they were distilling like the way their daddies and granddaddies well, were see, distilling. There's, there's so the... with, without i mean I don't even think without a shred of doubt, the answer to that one is yes. The Scots-Irish immigrants in particular, even the Whiskey Rebellion in Western Pennsylvania, we're really going off in some massive amounts of historical American history. It's kind of cool, though, because it's very interesting to me as we're sitting here drinking this spirit. I'm thinking, well, the the whole lineage of heritage. Dr. James Crow was a Scottish immigrant. He had learned how to distill, and he got his his chemist. I mean, he's a biochemist. From Scotland, so, moved to the United States and took that knowledge. Were they using barrels then? I gotta think, yeah. Because how else would they store it? Right. I mean, so I mean, they were so, storing they were storing wine in casks in ancient Greece yeah, that were I mean, it's gotta be. Yeah. yeah, so it's, it's not be. necessarily a in an American thing. It's, now the white it, oak. I mean, to, to one of the definitions of a bourbon is, is, white a, oak is a yeah, it's a white oak barrel. A new white oak it can't be used again, right. but. But which is strange too, because like, if you did a bourbon in a new charred white oak barrel, mm-hmm. and then you put the same distilled spirit in the old used. barrel, the used, yeah. the what's, used. what's the difference? I, I mean, uh, like, I want to know. Like, I would love to taste the difference between the two. Sure, I've got to assume that the. Flavors would you be think as robust some... the second time around because a lot of the flavors would have been pulled out of the wood, would have be been extrapolated pulled out. from yeah. the. And it's supposed to, especially with the toasted barrels, what I've read is that it's supposed to make like sweet. I mean, that's like some of those vanilla and honey oh, yeah. and almond sure. stuff is actually coming right from that toasted barrel right. versus a barrel that isn't toasted. You won't necessarily get that sure. as much. I'm going to have to look into that because it's just all these questions are coming to mind. It's fascinating that. But th- wouldn't that be an interesting taste? It would. To say like, hey, we're going to do this bourbon. It's in a new charred white oak barrel. Here it is. And we finish that barrel. And we're going to fill it with the same mash bill. The same happens. sour mash yeah. distilled. Happens. Now, you couldn't call it a bourbon then. Legally, no, you, you couldn't call it a bourbon then. But it's going to be an American whiskey. Yeah, you just And we're going to put it in the same barrel, right. the same exact barrel. Well, they, and they, we'll let it right. sit for X amount of now we had a time, scotch, yeah. and then we're going to try it. I would love to taste that difference. I'm sure somebody's done that. Somebody's well, we, we had a scotch, that Glen Brangy original, the 10-year the that I bought. Um, we talked about it on the last episode. Bottle's gone, by the way. 
Uh, <laughs> it's it's aged for the last four years of that ten years in a used bourbon barrel, and that's its selling point. It's a single malt Scotch aged for ten years, but the last it's it's two different aging processes. I've got to assume that the first six or seven years is out of a isn't it? Aren't they usually out of port barrels or something like yeah. that? I'm trying to think or share. Sherry or port, I think scotch is usually aged in. So it's either a port or sherry for the first bit, and then the last three or four years is done Mm. in bourbon barrels. That was delicious. It was delicious. It was 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 fantastic. Yeah. Go get another bottle. They ordered a case at the state store for me, and I bought one (laughs) bottle out of the case. I have to try some more old granddad. Yeah. Neat. I haven't made my decision. This is the first time. Episode four here is the first time I've hit this point that I haven't made my decision yet. Yeah, I haven't either. Yeah, I'm not even I, close. I thought I did initially, but <laughs> no. I'm not even close. Sorry to distract with all the questions, but Man. I'm learning a lot here and, and find it fascinating, the, the history. Just, I'm, I feel when like you we're pour just, this one neat... Good God, it's got some nose. And by this one, you mean the old granddad. Old granddad. Yeah. Man. So I'm going to go back for my another old granddad here. I'm really liking the finish on this Evan Williams. It's got a... Yeah, I'm with you on that one. It's almost hitting the roof of my mouth in yeah. a weird way. Well, that's just... The finish is really good. It is. It's... We, I know we commented on the color before, but it's, it's markedly darker than the old granddad. Get a whiff of that. I think part of it's going from the Evan Williams to <laughs> the back to the old granddad. It is. Its nose is much more in your face. Yeah. Oh, I think the old granddad had more nose to begin with than the Evan Williams. Yeah. But yeah. now neat. It's just like. Yeah. Wait, you're you're drinking the old granddad, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. I like this Basil is a Hayes. Tough one. I like his hair. You should do your hair like that. That'd be it's a good look. I could. <laughs> We'll have to dye it white on the side. On the side, have that. We'll streak. have to. Brandy will take some more pictures. My wife will take some more pictures of that. She's the. Uh, my wife is the one. Uh, we've got quite a few likes on our Instagram page uh, for the pictures that she's been doing of, of these bottles and things like that. So, speaking of haircuts, I got my first straight razor shave at you a barber s- shop. You look I'm like cheers you know, to that. Yeah, yeah. That's a, yeah. You look smooth as a very relaxed. You look yeah. dapper. Have either one of you never done? Never. Closest never I've got is some uh, barbers have taken this, a straight razor and you know kind of done the back of your neck. Yeah. And the, the line. There. I've never had a straight razor shave. Okay. I yeah. shaved like. Was it a happy it. ending? Or? No. No. But it was very relaxing. Now my buddies in the UK talk about getting a Turkish, going to a Turkish barber, and when you go to a Turkish barber, it's the whole shebang. It's the Sexual, like, yeah, the whole thing. Uh, they just—it's just an, an angry Turkish man yelling at you in Turkish. And <laughs> no, they—I mean, like massage, really hot, uh, hot, towel. hot towel around your face. They shave. They—I mean, they like pluck eyebrows. They do. They—you don't ask. They just do all yes. of that stuff. So I've been telling them for years. The next time I'm over there, book an appointment. I want to go to a Turkish barber and well, do the whole thing. The guy that did this is. Five miles from where you live. Right. And so, we've talk, this is the guy that we've talked yes. about before, yeah. And he puts the hot towel over you, and there's just your nose sticking out. <laughs> I would sneeze or something. I don't know. Was it? Is this it, is the first time my face has been bare shaven yeah. in years. Yeah, it is. Turkey shaven, deer shaven. Yes, <laughs> but not bare shaven. Exactly. Yeah. 
<laughs> Hunting licenses went out for sale this week. Did you pick yours up yet? No. No. Not till the 6th. Yeah, I think doe licenses go out on the... But you know what they say, the don't night. you? Sometimes you eat the bar. Sometimes <laughs> the bar eats you. Yeah. We do actually have our uh, backcountry hunting trip coming up. We do. Uh, Nate and I have been kicking this around <laughs> for years to go hunting, archery hunting, and actually do a hike. Like hike into the middle of nowhere we're not familiar with and just pack camp out. Pack up. Camp in. Pack in, pack oh, yeah. out, whole thing. And we're actually doing it this year. Allegheny National Forest. We consider going to New York. We've mm-hmm. kind of kicked around going to New York. But when we really sat down, practically, we already have Pennsylvania. Yeah, well, we already have Pennsylvania tags and archery tags and everything like that. So we're going to go to Allegheny National Forest, a couple-hour drive. And we need to do some scouting yeah. over the next We We need to make a couple trips over the next couple months. But I'm really looking forward to it. It'll be fun. Do you think... Do you think we'll we'll bring a bit of this bourbon with us? Yes. I think so, too. I think we're going to see how much of this we'll bring. <laughs> I think we'll bring a winner with us. <laughs> I like this bourbon a lot. When you say, I like this bourbon a lot. Old you, granddad. You, old granddad, huh? I really like this. Yeah, it's good. You couldn't go wrong with the Evan Williams, though. No. I mean, yeah, I it's just like, la- it's just like the last episode. Either one of these. Are, so the, 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 old, the old granddad has that. Big burst of flavor. It's yeah. it's it's big and it's strong and it's it's sort of complex. But the Evan Williams kind of same deal as last time, man. I'm it, the Evan Williams is more of very that, comforting to me. I but it's more why. it is it's more, more of Evan. that straight line. It is where the old granddad's. It's good. It's got more of an Evan flow to yeah. it. Yeah. Now now drinking it neat. I, I'm I'm actually very anxious to try the Evan Williams yeah. because drinking the old granddad neat. Well, I'm a neat guy. This is the way I'd prefer to drink this. I like the old granddad better neat than I did on the wrong. Yeah, me too, for by far. This the flavors and complexity is right it's there. Good to know. It's almost like you almost want to make a mental note of that too. You know, if somebody ever says, Hey, I've got some old granddad. Yeah. I told Nate this earlier this week. Are you really? Okay? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just yeah. I told you. Nate come stop. Back. Nate, Nate stop by Nate, the house. Come back, please. Come back. I'm here. <laughs> Nate stopped by the house, and we had those two actually stoppers. I actually stopped at your camper. That's right. Randy and I bought a camper. He's nice. He's a camper guy. Camper. One of those expandable ones <laughs> called hybrids. So the I called it a semi hard. It's a semi hard. Is what it is. Okay. It's it, picture. Also, oh, the if everything compact is hard, but whenever you well, no, it's not. Most of it's hard, out. but there's a little bit that puffs out. It it's. <laughs> It's a 20-foot camper, and the, the part that pops out, it's almost like a pop-up. It goes down to the front, down to the back, two queen beds. Everything uh-huh. else is hard. Everything else is hard, I swear. It's like Just don't have, touch the front or the back. <laughs> it's like you have a semi, <laughs> and then like when you're ready to go to bed, it just goes full. Okay. Yeah, exactly. When you're ready to go to sleep, you expand. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. But we bought a teardrop trailer for the two of us a camping trailer when we got married almost 10 years ago nine years ago this week actually my anniversary is this week but nine years ago do you need a teardrop tattoo we did i didn't <laughs> no i haven't murdered that many people yet i think you need to burn what is the number 19 before you I get one have to kill someone in jail or something oh you have yeah. to kill them in jail i think i should probably get one then while you're seven or something yeah <laughs> but we did we used the hell out of that teardrop trailer for a couple years uh, and then dogs 
you know, yeah. daughter and everything. It's just, Kids. we sold it last year for, and I think we sold it and we were happy with selling it because we just weren't using it. But we had kind of been thinking about, wow, we'd really like to get another one, bigger one, bring the dogs, bring my daughter. And, uh, this, I mean, this is pretty redneck, but we were coming back from Walmart last <laughs> Saturday. Very serious. Coming back from Walmart Can't last kill. Saturday. Looked at the old 879 auto. Used oh, there on it was. And there it was. It was sitting there. I think, and, I think I saw that. Well, the thing is, my wife said, she said, well, look at that. That's about the size we need. Yeah. I said, oh, you're right. So we pulled over, looked at it real quick. And I went back the next, it was a Friday. So I went back the next day on Saturday. And after Googling what to look for when buying a used RV, I spent an hour there and the guy was ticked off too because like I was, I said, can I crawl on the roof? He's like, I guess if that's what you want. But I, I did, I mean, Hell everything yeah. that, the, and I asked him, I said, can we like hook it up to see if the air conditioning works in the water? And he said, I don't know. I'm not asking much for it because it was a decent price. And I said, I actually said to him, well, would you sell a car? Without letting somebody check the air conditioner. Just let them sit in there and not turn on the engine and check right. the air conditioner yeah. and stuff. And he kind of looked at me and said, no, nah, come back on Monday. So Monday, he had a, a couple more people working at the lot with him. And they had already had it pulled back by the time I got there. And everything worked. And nice. we went back and forth on the price, set it on the price. And it's sitting in our driveway. So anyway, Nate stopped by the house because I took a picture uh, of the camper with the awning out. I... In the storage compartment, I barely fit in it. No, you're right. I'm I'm about five nine. Nate's you're closer six two or six four. Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah. Uh, taller than that. <laughs> I'm a large individual. Well, six. It, yeah, anything over six foot, you probably have to duck a little bit. Um, my wife is five three, and I'm about five nine, five ten, somewhere around there, and I can fit pretty comfortably, but. Uh, when I was checking out the storage compartment for this camper, uh, there was a grill in there that attaches to the back and has the propane right on the side of the trailer. Really nice. And I was excited about that because bonus, didn't realize it came with a grill. Pulled the grill out and I saw something pink on the inside of the storage compartment. I was like, what is that? And I reached out, pulled out two pink flamingos, those classic nice. plastic flamingos. <laughs> so I sent a picture to Nate. Of the camper with the awning out and the pink flamingos, I said, stop by. And he's Bonus. like, on my way. Bonus. So we actually sat and had, by the way, we had some Heady Topper beer. <laughs> those two uh, pints of 16-ounce cans of Heady Topper. And we enjoyed and we were chatting. But when we were chatting there in front of the camper, I said to him, we were talking about the last episode, Jim Beam versus Rebel Yell, the Look Co versus the Beam Suntory. And I chose Jim Beam. And I stand by that decision. It was a more complex taste and I liked it. But... Boy, while, was a at, tough one. while at the liquor store, because I stopped by the state store, pick up, uh, my wife wanted some so, some of that Faber gin. I don't know if you guys have had that Faber. It's a Pennsylvania yeah. distillery. It's, it's decent stuff. She yes. likes the gin. Anyways, stopped by to pick that up. And I thought, oh, I should pick up a bottle of bourbon while I'm here. And I actually made myself choose right then and there. Well, if I were to pick Jim Beam or Rebel Yell, I would have picked Rebel Yell. You, we, we even said right at the moment you were you were you, you almost, almost switched your vote. You almost switched your vote when you said like, "Well, what would you rather fill your glass with?" And at that moment, I was like, kind of like that ah, rebel yell. Yeah. Given the choice, if I was going to go in and you said, "Here's twenty bucks, and you can only choose between Jim Beam and Rebel Yell," at that moment, I would have walked out with Rebel Yell. Yeah, I would have. That's yeah. weird. That's yeah. all. That's, 
So I don't know whether that's conscious versus subconscious or one of those in the Who moment knows? things, but the reason that I'm bringing that up is this is turning into that. I yeah. still haven't this, made this the decision. Is, I'm, I'm really enjoying this. It's really good. We're all having the old granddad neat. Yeah, right it's now. it's very good. Oh, and you're right. Without the ice in it, I mean, neat. It's it, so it just smacks better. you in the in the face. It's a little. It smells a little alcoholy. Does yeah, that make sense? That's, that's what I told you. It does. Me when the I, part of the nose yeah, is that. It's it smells has a an alcohol smell. Yeah. But when you when you taste it, it's maybe it's good. I like both of these a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, other than other than the Bankers Club, and we've said this on episode one, that Nate's father, Jason, who is totally going to be on this podcast. Yeah. He was supposed to be on tonight, actually, but couldn't, make, couldn't it make it tonight. He has said that there's no such thing as bad bourbon, right? He has not tried Bankers Club. No, he hasn't tried Bankers Club. <laughs> we'll but that being some. said, I still haven't had um I still haven't had one that I've thought to myself, eh. Ezra Brooks didn't do anything for me. It really it's didn't. All right, do though. It was definitely better than Bankers Club, yeah. but it didn't do anything for me. It didn't. But we don't need to make that decision. We don't no. need to rank one out of ten. We just need to choose Which between one's the bottles. best. And I thought that was going to make it easy. It's not. It's not. No, no. Last one was hard. This one's even. Because you could even take like the last episode, both of those bourbons against both of these two. And they're really... It would be a hard decision. Like, if you put all... Between all, all four of them? Yeah, yeah it would be really I'll hard. I'll tell you what. The the winner of this one uh, goes on to, to face the Four Roses Ezra Brooks. So the winner of this one goes on to face... Uh, and we haven't had Four Roses or Bird Dog. Our one and two seed, we have not had yeah. yet. Next episode is the one seed. The one after that is the two seed. But the loser goes to face... Old Crow. Ah, the loser goes to face Old Crow. And I think again. Old Crow's going to have a hard time with the loser of this one. Yeah, I agree. Even though I'm an Old Crow. Well, I can't wait to geek fan. out on the Old Crow because I, I feel like I have a whole lot of knowledge about Old Crow yeah. in my head now. You have a... I'm going to be biased. You oh, are. You know what? Now, let's put, <laughs> let's put ourselves on record now because you and I have talked about this. When it goes to the loser's bracket. Now, we've got we've got two more episodes before it goes to the loser's bracket. So, the loser's bracket won't happen until episode seven. But in episode seven, loser's bracket starts. We need to do a blind. I think that's how we have to do the loser's bracket. Yeah. I think we need to. That's a good idea. It is. So, you're not biased. So, now, not. and this and it's this way that Old Crow will win then. Because I'm not biased at all, but I am. Old granddad, again, this, you know what? If if And I, I don't want to say this because you guys came up with the idea of this, but I hope there are whiskey drinkers out there that are reconsidering the, the snob factor of, well, yes. you got to pay $50 or more to, to get yourself a good bottle of bourbon whenever. And I'm not saying these are stellar bourbons, but they are drinkable. They're good. They're good they, bourbons. They're very they're drinkable. drinkable. They really are. And if it's drinkable, what's... what? I don't okay, want to say... I will say I just poured myself a neat drink of Evan Williams. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Evan Williams, which you didn't comment on, which I'm not stuck on, but it is also a screw cap. This old granddad is... is I'm... I personally, like that a lot. And I'm finishing my old granddad neat here. I actually am going to disagree just personally with you guys right now. You guys said you like the old granddad neat. I liked it better on the rocks. Dude, I did. It I, was smoother to me. 
Oh, I like the old granddad better on the rocks than this. I just took one drink and I about. That was your. Yes. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. This is good. This is old granddad on. I, I'm enjoying. It. Like I have no complaints about the old granddad neat, but I, I think I might like it better on the rocks. And it I seems, don't know what seems, I don't know whether that means I like it better chilled or like it better after a little bit of water. I don't. It seems to be it to seems know. to be a little more expressive on the rocks. I will give you that because it, the flavors you get you get a little more roundabout on the flavors. Well, but try, try the Anthony Williams. I'm, neat, I'm, I'm getting there. Um, Nate pours these uh, two finger drinks in his yeah. <laughs> So here we are. 17 fingers deep. Well, we, we are on a time constraint. <laughs> What's the time constraint? It's a, it's a, What day is this? It's Where a Friday gotta, night. You got a date tonight? No, but I mean, people don't want to listen for five hours while you drink. We're not even an hour, are we? All right. Evan Williams, here we go. Nate Gag. I'll be right behind you here. I have my decision. I do. This is the first time I think you've made the decision before yep. me. You may have to end up with subcategories on this stuff. I was thinking about these, this deal here after my first podcast. Last week I had thought about after listening and thinking back and, and thinking, well, you know, there's a there's on the rocks and then there's neat and then there's yeah. this and then there's that. What. It was very clear the last time we did that. It was what we filled our glass with. Right. Yeah. So like after this little drink... Whatever if, we, we whatever, choose to fill our glass Yeah, if you yeah. say, I want an ice cube and I want this whiskey. Yeah. Or I don't want an ice cube and I want this whiskey. Right. That's the winner. Oh, this one's tough. I did not have that much of a struggle with the Jim Beam Rebel Yellow. For whatever reason, I've got when I decided one. that, I said, that's the one I want. Huh. I've so got, we are all drinking Evan Williams Neat yeah, right now. I haven't had it yet. But yeah, I haven't had it yet. Either. Doesn't have a nose, that's for sure. I don't know why. I actually like the bottle. I mean, the square bottle with the black label. It is good, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And it, maybe a, it is the Jim Beam. It's the cowboy the, all of us. Maybe. I, <laughs> maybe. I put a picture. I don't know whether you saw on the website, bourbonbuddybrackets.com. I put a picture of John Wayne nice. with a whiskey bottle pulling a cork. <laughs> we, com- we commented we that the Rebel Yell bottle was kind of like, it was cool looking. because Old it was a school bit whiskey. You yeah, walk into that the, real. You, it's yeah, like the old granddad bottle. Rebel. That looks like you should be drinking that out of an old saloon. Yeah, something. Yeah, I know. Even well, like you said, the the picture. It's like, good God! I mean, what's yeah? We'll what's put some the, pictures out there. But. What's the what's this on the side? Is that his little shack in the woods? Like, <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> how corny is I'll that? Have a drink. Basil Hayden's. Yeah, shack that's his. In the that's woods. where is yeah. this? Is that his homestead? A picture. I'm of the granddaddy of bourbon. <laughs> I have my decision. You do. Oh, this is the other thing. The only other research note on the old granddad that we haven't talked about was during the Prohibition. Wow. That absolutely destroyed distilleries, not just bourbon. I mean, anybody in the U.S. making making booze. The larger companies, some of the larger ones merged and developed some other ones. And I almost feel like in a weird way, now this is just my opinion, 
where we are at in 2018 with the micro distilleries, sure. with all of these. I mean, whether it's Virginia, Tennessee, Kentucky, Pennsylvania, Colorado. Uh, we, we just talked about yeah. some Western Pennsylvania rye whiskeys that I would love to try yeah. that you've had that I haven't. What's a, is it like that's that's hat. Hat. We were, I've yeah. never had that before. And I were talking about that yeah. earlier. Yeah. It's pretty good. It. Yeah. It's Did you notice, yeah. by the way, and Brandy, uh, my wife actually pointed this out when we were at the state store, that all the Pennsylvania spirits are on top shelf. And they're expensive. Yeah. Well, like the favorite gin that she bought wasn't bad. The the dad's hat was a was uh it was twenty nine ninety nine for wasn't a seven. That yeah, cheap? it was it wasn't bad, but all the Pennsylvania distilleries, all the spirits were on top shelf at well, the Pennsylvania State Store. Which, I mean, I I guess that's okay. Yeah, that's all right. Nothing. I mean, like coming from three Pennsylvanians here, of course, that's all like right. Promoting your. Uh... But if you're in Kentucky trying to yeah yeah trying to do it well I'll tell you what I went back and forth on Instagram with bottled and bond there's Heaven Hill bottled and bond somebody made took a picture of they were drinking he he and a couple other buddies were drinking a Heaven Hill bottled and bond and I said I haven't found that because we have had the Heaven Hill eighty proof white label but I haven't had the green label bottled and bond. Uh, and the comment was that it was only found in Kentucky. Right. Like they, you can only go to Kentucky to get the bottom and bond stuff. So we know that Evan, we're here drinking 86 proof Evan Williams, 80 proof old granddad. But both of these labels have a bottom and bond, a bonded version too, which makes me think, because we have also talked about what are we going to do after this bracket? Now we got three times as much as what we've had so far still to come. However, what are we going to do after this? And, let this be a discussion for the next however many months. But I would throw out there, I would love to do the same bracket again. Bottle, with a bond. bonded version. Yeah, that's, that's, Four Roses has a bonded that's granddad, Evan yeah, Williams, like Jim that. Beam. You're I all on a level playing field then. I yeah. don't know whether all 10 of our contestants, all 10 of our teams would be able to have a bonded, but I would say. You don't have to, though. I, I think seven out of the 10 would. Yeah. But it would level the playing field. You're right. But if Six got, years. Hunter proof. Right. If we got that, Funk. we can add three more. Yeah, and yeah, we yeah, we can find some bonded stuff, yeah. and, and it'll it'll have, give us an excuse it, to drive to Kentucky together yeah. <laughs> to pick up some more bonded. It doesn't here. necessarily have so. to contest to a dollar bracket at that no. point. So you can say like we have the we can randomize the yeah seedings we have the too. bottle and bond version of this 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 and this and we have these ones yeah. and it's between twenty and. Fifty dollars, you know, like you could, you could set a cap to it. Yeah, right, just something to think about for the other one. Uh, some other thing that we're doing. I mean, if we're bourbon buddy brackets, we probably should stick with bourbon brackets. and bra- I, I like the bracket. I mean, the bracket idea absolutely, but I like the the bourbon idea too. But uh, I don't even know where I was going with that. I like how During it's evolving, the, though. It's evolving. Yeah, and it's it is evolving. evolving, and it should be part and of the discussion. Be, yeah. How it's evolving <clears throat> sure. here. Um. Because the, the, no, go ahead. we as drinkers are, are evolving just simply because I, we're discussing this more at a, in a depth have. that, you, of course, we do the same thing whenever we drink. Anyhow, we talk and go off into the rabbit holes, but the conversation has been really wrapped around our experience right now, and I love this. I love listening to you guys talk about your experience. I love listening to anybody talk about because it's so interesting how somebody, I get this, and I get this, and wow, that's just amazing that we are all three of us are getting something different out of this. But that's the beauty of all these. Yeah. I, again, I'm, 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 I tell you what, you guys are under a really cool thing simply because 
of, I had a friend of mine. Well, let me back up oh, a couple of years. Maybe I was in Tennessee, not last year, the year before I was working out of town. I haven't been, uh, I've been to Kentucky and Tennessee when I was like 14 years old. To all and you I'm, listeners so 20, out there. 20 any, years ago. So if, any, if anybody lives in Crossville, Tennessee, uh, I was there. I spent a lot of time in Crossville working. And we, so I, we my, have had listeners in Tennessee and Kentucky, nice. by the way. So, so I've, yeah. well, I've worked in Kentucky too and same company. And I went to every, um, every liquor store I could find and, saw their wares and you you see a couple of the staples and then you see all these other bourbons you've never seen and you've before, never seen yeah. and you think what do i buy so i was grabbing i i have to admit and shame on me leading up to my point of thinking well this one's twenty dollars this one's 25 i think i'm gonna go for 75 it's you know it's gotta be yeah. good well, so you buy. Well, some, sometimes it is though. Hey, I mean, like, it I, is. sometimes it is like it, the best bottle of whiskey I've ever had. But sometimes was, it's not. Right. No, the best bottle, the best whiskey, not bottle, because I can afford a bottle. But the best whiskey I've ever had was at the El- Aberfeldy Distillery north of Edinburgh, Scotland, about sixty miles north of Edinburgh. Dewars owns the distillery there, which I didn't know until we arrived that the Dewars owned it. We took a connoisseur's tour and we got these five tastings afterwards. And the last tasting we had was their blended 30 year. And I'm telling you, it was like, it was fucking awesome. Right. I mean, you drank it and it was, it was fantastic. Smoothest thing that you've ever wow. drank before. Fantastic. Went to go look at how much a bottle is. My buddy and I, uh, Jake and I went to go look at what a bottle was like 250 euros which at the Ooh. time, at the time it's was like, like 300 bucks. Well, it was like 400 bucks at the oh, time. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, no, we didn't walk away with a bottle of right. this stuff. But to I'm your trying. point, you know, you said shame on you for, for picking the higher price. Sometimes. I mean, that I've never had such an expensive whiskey before. It was the best whiskey I've ever had. See, that's, that's, it was fantastic. And that's, that's tricky. Again, going back to this store, I'm standing here and I'm looking at this wall of bourbon and thinking, what do I get? What do I get? So you try and read and you look at price and you look at labels. So I grabbed like three, well, bo- I grabbed three bottles off the shelf. How much can you believe on the labels too? Right. Other it's, than the proof yeah. and oh, the this years. Is, I mean, that, that's it. That's yeah, all you can believe. Exactly. That. And that's what I go by is years. So I was, I, I like to buy year whiskey again because you think, well, Ten years, nine years, it's whatever. Be smoother. It's gonna, it's gonna be a little better. It's, it's, and, yeah. So, so yeah. So I buy some. So here's the interesting part: the guys that I travel with, there's usually six of us, right? None of these guys are real whiskey connoisseurs. So I would buy these bottles, and we'd go back to the room, and they would drink beer, and I would say, "Here, try this." And we're just gonna sip on this. And some of them, and I'd say, "Try this bottle," and they would say, "Oh, that's I like this one better." Because the the novice aspect, they had no idea what yeah. I paid for these bottles. They had no inclination that's what it was. That's where we're coming from. Too, yeah, exactly. The novice aspect. So yeah. So coming back now to back to Pennsylvania, the the owner of the company that I travel with calls me up. His daughter wants to buy uh, her husband a really good bottle of whiskey. Oh, you were telling right. me about this. Yeah. So, and he and he asks me my. My preference, and I said, "Well, you really can't go wrong with Woodford Reserve." Yeah. 
And I said, one of my favorites is, and that was the first thing I said to him, one of my favorite bottles is the Double Oak Woodford Reserve. Yeah. First time I had it when we were in Nashville, remember I got that flight? Yep. And it was, all of us tried it, and it was, it was glorious. That was on Thanksgiving Day. Thanksgiving Day. We had it in Nashville, Tennessee. And I thought, wow, what a what a great bottle of whiskey. So I told him this, right? I and I and I said, if you want to go this, 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 these are all different types of bourbons at all these different price ranges. I said, but for a good whiskey coming from a guy, why you called me, I'm just giving you my honest opinion, right? So And by the way, Woodford Reserve, and I just looked this up because I had read this before, like is owned by well, it's owned by Brown Foreman, who owns Jack Daniels. Oh, really? So the number really? one whiskey in the number one selling whiskey in the world so is Jack Daniels. Is it produced? Who's it's, it's in Kentucky. Woodford Reserve is distilled in Kentucky. However, it's owned by Brown Foreman that owns Jack Daniels. Okay. So this is something else that we have totally learned on this is that how many like uh, what's the actual business? And I, I'm convinced historically this is because of prohibition. Because all of these, I mean, dozens and even hundreds of distilleries, prohibition just shut down. And only the strong, the big survived and like encapsulated the other ones. So we have all these labels today. But as we're finding out today, we've already had a Heaven Hill. We're drinking Evan Williams today. We've already had a Mm -hmm, Heaven Hill. Uh, We're drinking Old Granddad today. But we've already had Old Crow and Jim Beam that that Beam Suntry owns Old Granddad. So we have all of these ownership. Yeah, so anyway, this the guy that I was working for calls me up because I'm always bringing back all these different bourbons and all of us are sitting in the hotel room drinking this and these guys are giving me their opinion and I didn't, nothing on price or anything like that. So he calls me up and he said, my daughter wants a good bottle of whiskey. So I, I give him a rundown of all these all these different bourbons, right? A few weeks passes by. And and I and it's one of my vendors. I buy products from him that that I do in my business. And I said, did you did you recommend to your daughter any of these? And and, and he said, yeah, but she didn't uh, really care for any of those because they weren't expensive enough. <laughs> and and I and the whole the whole experience. And I thought bringing it back to this, I thought I could have suggested old granddad and. and and, and her husband really wouldn't have cared. But people yeah. think, back to what we were talking about earlier, is old granddad actually Basil Hayden's just in the moment <laughs> with where you can wear the bracelet after you're done drinking it for two yeah. days and wonder where it came from. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy. Yeah. I hate to say that, but on the other well, side... Well, old granddad is actually Basil Hayden, right? Yeah, it's supposed right. to be. Well, I've had both neat. I've had both on the Yeah, we're on we're on Evan yeah. Williams right now. We're both good. We're making our. I've actually made my decision. Of I have to. I really have. Yeah, yeah I have to. Oh, Mark has made his decision. All right. I had to. I'm gonna go out and take care of this. So, my decision. I'm with you. Cheers. I don't. I have still. Milking this Evan Williams. I agree. As a drinker, all around, this was good on the rocks. It has it, I like that Matt's outside of the doors right now, so he doesn't even know what I picked. Right. Evan Williams is good. I don't want to take anything I away love from it. it. Yeah. I love both of them. I do too. On the rocks, it's better. Would you agree? 
I think I like Dan Williams a little better on the rocks. Wait, have you made have you made your decision? Yes. Nate well, has made have his you decision. announced it? I did. Nate oh, has you made his decision. I want to hear it. Yeah. Been here, so I'm sorry. I stepped out for a second. I want you to do yours. Yeah. Do I pour or do I make the? De- I want to pour. You yeah. pour it. Have you guys already poured? No, I haven't. I'm still finishing. But you've you poured. Made. But we've both made our decisions. All right, I have made my decision, and I'm I have made pour. my decision too. And I'm I'm still drinking the Evan Williams. I'm still enjoying this. Well, I can tell you this. Oh, there's no more rocks. Oh, son of a bitch! Are we out of ice. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna run and get some rocks. You go up the stairs. Because I like that. What? Here's the truth. I like what Nate said about the. Get it I, how you want it. Get yeah. it how you want it. So oh, right Mark's now, gonna I some want music. something. I'm gonna, I'm gonna play some rocks gathering music. <laughs> play play as much as you want. Whirlpool or the Kenmore or whatever. Babes in the hot tub. Yeah. You should have stayed so out there. I got the I got the skinny from uh, Mark's wife, who told me that just based on name, because she doesn't know anything about the taste, just based on name, she would prefer Evan Williams. Oh. And she said it like she was attracted to the name. Probably. So maybe there's some she's, sort of she's a hip kind of gal. There. So Evan would totally be. Yeah. Thanks for playing. Yeah. I can't wait to listen to it. Oh, yeah, you missed yeah. a bunch. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to listen to your banter as well. So I want, I want you to choose yours. All right, I'll choose mine. So now that I've gone and got some rocks, because I, I really took what Nate said to heart there, and I'm not saying for all of the bourbons, but for these two, my preference was one of these on the rocks. I had the best one uh, of the day, and I'm going to reach for the Evan Williams on the rocks. Is what I'm reaching for. What did I the say? Evening. Did you predict that while I was gone? No, no. I, I said, after, after uh, Nate and I were sitting here, I said I really like the Evan Williams on the rocks, and it kind of blew my neat theory out of the water. Uh, 
I didn't really care for it as much neat. So my decision is, as a drinker, old granddad. Yeah, that was all right too. Oh, so old granddad defeats Evan Williams. I, I mean, I, is that it then? Old yeah. granddad. So I didn't know coming into this what you had. You and I were different. Yeah, Mark's a tiebreaker with Mark's old granddad. A tiebreaker I, with I, uh, old granddad. See, honestly, we needed a third, Nate. We, we did. Didn't. We did. We needed a third. I really sat here and I. At, on on the rocks. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Yeah. On the rocks. I'll tell you what, I liked old granddad. I really did on the rocks and everything. I just, and I think, well, I was going to say, oh, I think it's more complex, but I actually think old granddad was more complex. It was. Jim Beam was more complex last time, and I chose that one. I think Evan Williams this time. No, Evan Williams on the rocks and really. I it would... disappeared for me, is what it was. And I think listening. When I go back and listen to this again, when I edit it and then post it out there, I will have very little to say about Evan Williams, probably because I just sat here and drank it. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I honestly, my, my decision was drinking it neat. And after drinking it neat and drinking it on, on the rocks, I really enjoyed it because I was really getting nice play. I would actually, you have, if, if we had only said you have to drink this on the rocks, I would choose Evan Williams. Really? Yes. That's interesting. That is interesting. I, what honestly, about you, Nate? I like it better. I mean, if you had to choose on the rocks, or would I like I liked it better on the rocks. Both honestly. of them were. Both I of think them were I would great. still stay with old, old granddad. granddad yeah. Old granddad is good. I I I like. I'm with Nate. I, on I, I think I just like that rye extra bite. Rye. I do too. Yeah. I'm a rye guy too. Uh, that'll so. be interesting to track now that. And again, what I need to do the is the mass I profile. I was thinking about that earlier too. Is the mass profile? And maybe I'm just partial to that. Rye. I don't know. So this this whole thing is really blowing my mind with the. I, this was this was pretty definitive. I loved the Evan Williams. I thought like, man, if this was any other showdown, you know, I would pick the Evan Williams. Going back to this neat though, this is so good. I'm by this the, you mean you guys are old, both drinking old, old granddad. Old granddad. I mean, I would. Whew. I'm curious, and I'm going to talk about. Um, of this when Sam and again Sam's three weeks away right now he's going to come in I'm curious what he's going to be able to have and get if I had to guess he could get Evan Williams Evan Williams is the 10th most sold brand of whiskey worldwide I wonder whether he would be able to get something like old granddad or or, or not I've got to assume he's going to get Evan Williams but Next episode, uh, so we have our winner being Old Granddad. Old Granddad is going to face off with the winner of Four Roses and Ezra Brooks. Ooh. Uh, and our loser, unfortunately, uh, I'm in the loser's bracket here for the <laughs> second time, Evan Williams. Uh, good bourbon, Evan Williams. And I'm enjoying this right now. I mean, I'm on the rocks. And you are good in the loser's bracket. I am very good in the loser's bracket. This is going to be a tough one for me. I can already tell right now, but the loser is going to go to face Old Crow. So Evan Evan Williams is going to face Old Crow. So yeah, man, good good uh, good call on you guys for doing this because it it really I I tell you what in the in the oh the last few times well when you guys first started this podcast I'd come up and Nate said this is what we're doing we're sharing this try it out see what you think and then thinking man. This is twenty dollars. This is fifteen. This is fourteen dollars. It's impressive. I, I uh, shame on me for not being an advocate of 
Nate's biting footsie with me, and I don't like it. <laughs> don't. Uh, well, yeah. Our, uh, I did have, as always, a tie break from Whiskey Jug. Uh, a guy named Josh Peters, who has posted his wiki, uh, whiskey? Whiskey. He has posted his whiskey reviews for a couple years in 2015. Did a review of Old Granddad. Did a review of Evan Williams. He picked Evan Williams. Uh, did he from, really? Yeah. Oh wow. He scored Evan Williams Black Label as 83 and Old Granddad as 76. But I want Old Granddad on the rocks. Yeah. I uh, I I'm I'm digging the Old Granddad neat. So I like them both. But well, our next matchup features one that we've already had before uh, by the same distillery. Evan Williams Distillery Heaven Hill White Label, so sort of their Ooh. their flagship bottom shelf white label four year aged um, Heaven Hill, which we've had before, defeated Old Crow in our sort of our our first round play in Bergen. Very controversial. Versus the Bird Dog, <laughs> so I think this is the largest C difference we have. Number yes. one Bird Dog versus number nine Heaven Hill. Uh, Heaven Hill only sells by the liter. You can't get it seven hundred fifty milliliter. Uh, and Bird Dog is the newcomer to the market, uh, yeah. the bourbon market. When you go to the, at least the Pennsylvania State Store, I've got to assume this is this is everywhere. When you go to find the Bird Dog label, all you see is flavored whiskey. Right. It's it's. I mean, it's raspberry and apple and yeah. all that stuff, which I'm not a huge fan of at all. So what's their? It's just their straight. Straight bourbon whiskey. It says Kentucky okay. straight, which means at least two years aged. I haven't read the bottle any closer than that. I haven't done any research, but they have a Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey that comes in at $19.99 at a Pennsylvania State store in Pennsylvania. So our next matchup, Bird Dog versus Heaven Hill. Oh, I'm excited for that yeah, one. Me too. So we have a Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at this point where Bourbon Buddy Brackets and we, of course, always have our website at the bottom of our of our homepage. You can see all of our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, bourbonbuddybrackets.com. Nate and Matt here from Bourbon Buddy Brackets and also Mark. Thanks again for coming, Mark. This is really a blast. I forget the, that the microphone is picking up and recording because we're just sitting, the three of us, having conversation and chatting, which is... Just a delight. It, it really is. is. Very, thanks yeah. for having me, guys. You guys are the best. Thanks for opening my eyes to good bourbon. Mm-hmm.